Welcome to Zero Now, the home of great business interviews. I'm Laura from Zero Education and the host of this podcast. There are so many communication tools around now. This year especially, a lot of businesses are moving to communicate online more. Whether you're able to talk face-to-face or if you use tools like Slack or Zoom, the principles of communication remain the same. Does being online change things? And how can we avoid pointless meetings? We've gathered three experts from within Zero to talk about how to communicate more effectively. In this chat, which was originally a Zero Hour session, we're lucky enough to have Catherine Walker, who's part of Zero's founding team and is the current community manager. We've also got Mel Morris, who's head of bookkeeping in New Zealand, Phil Crothers from Learning Experience, and Jason Hallam, who's our customer experience functions manager. Let's jump into the chat. You can write a beautifully crafted email and it can be impactful, but it's not effective because it it doesn't allow all of the recipients to engage in that in an instantaneous way. I think it should be measured not only by how well the, the sender sends their message and how well it's received and understood, but how well everyone's really engaging. Thank you. What are some of the common difficulties that you think business face when trying to communicate in a new manner like this with their staff and customers? One of the biggest challenges is probably um, how to be available to your customers and staff. I'm still very much in pandemic mode here. I know that New Zealand is <laughs> is doing fairly well, but um, we're still isolated here. So I know um, that a lot of businesses are currently um, facing this. When in real life, how were you available for your customers and, and how are you in this sort of digital world? I know with us, when we had Twitter and Facebook and things, it's it's how do, how do your, that your, the fact that your customers and your colleagues and things actually have to seek you out. There's no sort of accidental bumping in to each other. It's it's you've got to be available somewhere. So and and that's got to be known so that people can can find you. I mean they won't won't necessarily bump into you by a water cooler or come into a reception or something like that. I think as well there's so many online things. So I mean are you is that learning curve so daunting for you? I mean, are you already set up for it? I mean, how do you choose what platform? Is it a website? You know, what kind of online presence do you need? I mean, you know, what what sort of things do you need to communicate with your staff and your customers? So, I mean, everybody's Zooming these days, but what if you're in a situation where maybe a one-to-one might work through just FaceTime or the telephone or, I mean, actually the telephone's old school, let's face it. I mean, who uses this thing <laughs> as a phone anymore? Not me. <laughs> um, I think the, the, the one of the biggest difficulties, um, although I take this in my stride now, having, I mean, I'm essentially remote and have been ever since I moved to the States nine years ago, is that sort of assumption that you're always online, you're always available, it doesn't matter what time of day or night, and it's how you sort of set up those boundaries if you need them or or not. So I think the but the biggest thing I think is is that the assumption that you're always interruptible just because you've got a green dot online or that you happen to answer your emails in the middle of the night, that there becomes this assumption that you are, you're always there. I mean, if you think about, you know, old school, if you wanted to talk to somebody, you'd go past their desk and you can see if they're on the phone or talking to somebody 
or really in the middle of something and you might not interrupt them whereas you can't necessarily see anybody now so you're just going to ping them by chat or whatever and then expect a response straight away. I'm a little bit um, sort of rigid <laughs> in the way that I do things I because my, my work is quite interrupt driven anyway being online all day so I've, I've tried as best I can to, whether it's through status messages on any of these online platforms or just talking to my colleagues and team, I let them know that, um, you know, I don't necessarily appreciate or respond well to being interrupted via sort of instant messages and texts all day. If somebody really wants me to see something and respond, then email for me, that's my preferred method of digital communication. So I've let the team know that because you know, half the time you've got a thousand notifications on your phone and by the end of the day you've lost half of it. So, you know, I find email is a, is a good thing for me. So I think, I mean, I think that's the, the biggest challenge and difficulty is, is, is how you make yourself available and then when you do, are you actually available 100% of the time and, and, and how do you communicate that? Great points there, OG, and um, totally agree with what you're saying there. I think one of the things that I find quite difficult is it is harder to read body language through this kind of forum. And I think it takes a bit of getting used to it. I think I got better over time. I do have an example of one of these kind of meetings where I thought everything was going really well. And I learned afterwards that someone actually felt uh, quite uncomfortable with some of the things that we'd been talking about. And it was just impossible to see and so I think the, the tip there to kind of mitigate that is to, is to use good meeting etiquette and check in with everybody and make sure that everyone's had an opportunity to say how they feel about a particular topic. Communication via any forum has its challenges. I'm not a big fan of email anymore, um, like I said before, but there are just so many different ways to communicate now. And I think that's a challenge in itself, like OG was alluding to. If you've got all these notifications from social media, from Slack, from you know, emails, it, it can get quite overwhelming for, for some. So I'm, I'm always kind of conscious of that with my people. We have one channel where we all communicate and, and that's, that's it. Like we try to keep it to that one channel rather than switching channels. And everyone seems to agree that that's, that's the best approach to mitigate that. What about this um, issue about, you know, sometimes having the meeting just for the sake of having a meeting? You know, are there, are there any clear signs that meetings are not going to be valuable? This is something I, I uh, know quite a bit about. So at Zero, we've actually developed um, some workshopping tools uh, called Meaningful Meetings. The classic old age tale, this has been happening as long as communication has been around. People have been catching up and not even understanding why they're meeting. And that, for me, from what I've seen anyway, that's, a, that's the root cause of, of a poor <clears throat> meeting, that the purpose of being there hasn't been communicated out. Rules are really, really good. I tell people, you know, if you, if you don't feel you're going to not get anything from the meeting, then, then don't turn up. Because having someone who is not present in a meeting can disrupt all the other people that are but you've got to give people that permission and that safety to go you know what i'm not actually going to turn up to that meeting as opposed to oh jason didn't turn up why is that and getting grumpy about it the fact is jason wasn't interested in the meeting wasn't going to get any value from the meeting perhaps i haven't set the agenda or let him know why he's going to be there so all those things are within my control and there's some really basic operational things that you can do to create that environment of really strong, meaningful meetings. 
What do you think are common traits or, or the attributes of, um, of a good communicator? Phil, would you like to lead us off with that one? Sure. Somebody that can concisely give a message or a story. You know, they understand the purpose of what they're saying. I teach a lot about public speaking and things like that. And I've been on a lot of public speaking courses. And what, what irritates me a little bit or triggers me a little bit is we tend to tell people to speak the same way. So you go into these courses and they say, put your shoulders back and speak loudly and gesticulate. And for me, that's not really authentic. I mean, if everybody started speaking the way that I did, it, it wouldn't come across as genuine. And so I think anyone that can be genuine, understand the purpose of what they're saying and get that message across really, really clearly, um, taking time to understand their audience. You know, storytelling is all about knowing your audience. How do I deliver a message? I could deliver a message to a hundred different people and they'll all tack onto it in different ways. So you've got to take that time in your preparation to think, well, what do I actually want to get across? Who are my audience? How are they going to process those information? So that's just some of the, you know, the preparation traits that I think good communicators have. Yeah, I think, I think to balance that off a little bit, I think a good communicator also goes in with the intent to truly listen, to seek to understand before making themselves understood, to quote Dr. Stephen Covey. You know, so I think there's a bit of a balancing act there because, yes, you've got to be prepared. You've got to have purpose. You've got to have objectives before you go to a meeting, before you, you, you deliver a story. You know, it's good, good to have that planning and preparation. But you've also got to balance that off with a be prepared to forget everything that you were thinking about saying while someone else is speaking. Because if, you, if you're thinking about, oh, hang on, um, I'm waiting. I, actually, what I'm listening for is a gap in the conversation so that I can jump in and say what I want to say. Uh, and that's, a, that's so common. Like, I come across that so much. And I um, actually challenge my guys, like I've got you know, some, some team leaders who report to me. And when I see that happening, I'll say, just a minute, just before you go on to that topic, can you just summarize for me what you just heard? Um, just because it's healthy, right? To just have that confirmation that the message, message sent has actually been received. And nine times out of 10, when I've observed that, they haven't received the message. So then it's quite good to be able to go back deliver the message again but actually say this time can we all please listen with the intent to understand rather than to find our slot to say what we want to say so glad i got that off my chest <laughs> the, the trouble there is for me if i'm listening i am listening for the gap because i'm i'm nervous about what to say so one thing i I'm quite an advocate of is allowing silence because if all of a sudden it is my turn to speak and I have been listening, it's going to take me a minute to get into the mindset of, okay, now it's my turn to talk. And I think we, we're not very good with silence. We tend to sort of rush across it. Um, I'd say just to move on to the digital piece in terms of being a good communicator, all those things kind of flow, but it's in, in that regard, it's reading. And, um, and sometimes, you know, you, need, you do need to read between the lines. Too often you just read something and just immediately assume because you've, no, you've got no clues like body language. You can't tell if someone was smiling when they said what they said and all that kind of thing. So I think reading and making sure you understand and, and um, asking questions again back to see what the person was talking about so that you, you know, you don't just jump to conclusions. I love what you said about 
about the body language thing there, OG, and this makes me laugh a little bit. So when we went to the COVID space, one of the first things, uh, or COVID environment, one of the first things someone asked me if I would do is create a, a little video about how to give feedback, right? give and receive feedback virtually. And I asked them why. Uh, it's a good thing, but I asked them why. And they said, oh, you know, I find it really difficult to read body language remotely as opposed to in the room. And I simply asked, who taught you how to teach how to read body language within the room? To which they obviously went, oh, I don't know. But that comes back to what you said about assumptions. We make assumptions about body language when we're in a room and we do the same thing virtually. So if I'm sitting in a room with my arms crossed, people go, oh, you, you know, you're bored, you're angry. It's actually quite comfortable. Um, and we've evolved to cross our arms to protect our vital organs when, when we're focusing. To remove assumptions in any form, whether it's physical or digital, and I love what you said about reading between the lines, asking questions to clarify if, if you're in person. Don't make assumptions just because I'm, you know, yawning or I have my arms crossed or, or whatever, you know, ask, ask why. And, you know, when reading as well, because you don't get context or tone through reading um, as much. So asking those mm -hmm. questions, what did you mean by this? What does this word mean to you? Taking that time, that pause. Uh, I've seen in interviews, I was in an interview once and they asked me a really good question. I stopped and I was quiet for about 10 seconds. And then they started to rephrase the question. I said, no, I heard you. I'm, I'm just processing it. But it's that fear, that fear of silence. And what are we actually doing it? Yeah, I can tell you, you know, I deal with lots and lots of different sort of sentiment coming across my desk on social media. And I, I, I literally do smile if I'm typing back something that's smiling. And if somebody's particularly upset me, I'll be, or I, or I feel really, you know, I feel their pain or whatever, I'll actually make my mouth do a... So I know people don't know that when they're reading it back, but I kind of feel like maybe by osmosis, they'll, they'll, there'll be a connection there. I think it's a really, really good point around the, like if you're reading from a page of notes, I just want to add as well, we've got five screens in a three by one meeting room. Anyway, um, and I'm not reading from the screens, but I do have a screen there just as a prompt to remind me, oh yeah, that was my point. If you're reading to a group of people, they can tell that you're reading it and it really switches me off. We have this thing called a global all hands. And it's amazing the fact that our CEO takes time to connect with us all globally. It's one of the things that I've, I've never experienced that before in, a, in an organization. So go zero in that respect and go Steve Bamos. You know, sometimes it's handed over to someone who, who it's, he's a tough act to follow, right? Because he doesn't read from a script. And probably some people out there wishes he would. But man, when people read from a script, it, it really just, I, I kind of just go, oh no, this is awful. Can you please just have like the bullet points and talk to the bullet point? Um, and it's a real skill that you need to develop over time, right? It's not something that just comes like that, and especially if you have that fear of forgetting what you wanted to say. You know what? And it's about just feeling that fear and doing it anyway. You're going to be so much more effective as a communicator if you just kind of go, stuff the notes, close the screen. I'm here, 100%. Coming up after the break, we'll hear more from our wonderful guests. We've loved making this podcast for you and we want to know more about what you want to hear. To have your say, take our short survey. There's a link in the description below. Now back to the show. 
all of you have spoken about effective listening and storytelling. So you mentioned that um, in particular as useful tools. So I'm just wondering, is there anything that we, you can recommend that we could read or we could use, download, learn from? Effective listening just, it comes with wanting, wanting to be there. I've got a bit of a trigger when people talk about active listening and my, I prefer to say actually listening. If you're actually listening, then you're going to actively listen. Don't go to a course that teaches you how to nod at people and things like that. It's not really authentic. And if you don't want to listen, don't be there. That comes with a comfort and safety level that I, I particularly have, but I definitely do that. As far as storytelling tools, and if we're talking about digital, I am terrible when it comes to any sort of design. or I can't even put a slide deck together very well. And so I've used a lot of tools to help me and my limited skill there. So I love things like Google Slides. I love Canva. Canva is one of my favorite platforms. Like if you have to tell a story, Dr. Seuss is my favorite storyteller. I don't even have to read the, you know, showing my age and my child whimsy. I don't even have to read it. I can see the pictures and that, that gives me a really good um, imagery of the story. So for me, if I see a slide deck with lots of words on it, I switch off straight away. I think there's a really simple one as well, which I, I'd like to just quickly demonstrate. So this morning I was heading into work on my motorbike coming over the Auckland Harbour Bridge. There was a sideways gale, um, which, and it was quite slippy on the roads as well. So I kind of was feeling the bike move from under me a little bit. Uh, it was also pouring with rain and I could feel a little droplet of rain kind of getting under my jacket and chilly kind of then running down my back and lots of stuff going through my head. Thinking about this session today, I haven't done anything like this before at Zero, so it's a, it's a great honor and great privilege to be here, so I don't want to stuff it up. So I was kind of thinking, oh, thinking through, you know, what am I going to say and, you know, how, how am I going to show up to this while thinking about the traffic and the journey. And, um, and then I realized, what's the one thing that I need to do right now? What's the most important thing that I do right now? And that's get myself to the office alive and and so then i just kind of i shut everything else out focused on the road the conditions and got myself into work i was actually running late for a meeting as well so i said to myself don't worry about that it's best that you get there in one piece and two minutes late than it is you know to not get there at all so what I, I, I got i got to the meeting and everything went fine and guess what everything seems to be going fine with this meeting as well so all of those worries, all of those thoughts were a little bit irrelevant at that time while I was facing that particular task in that particular situation. You're probably asking yourself, well, why the bloody hell did you get on the bike in the first place when you knew it was windy and raining? It's my choice and I, and I enjoy it. It's the bookend of my day. Um, but look, um, what I've just demonstrated there, hopefully I grabbed your attention with that story, but um, all I demonstrated was the STAR technique, which is situation, task, action, result. That's all it is. It works really well as a basic storytelling technique. You can even use it for answering interview questions. If you're going for a job at zero, please do. And, you know, uh, the one, I guess, topic that I find is very useful for using the STAR technique or compatible with telling, uh, using the STAR technique is talking about learnings, learnings and experiences. And that's, that's pretty much every story. <laughs> so, so uh, simple, simple technique, but um, use it and give it a go. And you probably, many of you may have used it already. It's not a new one. 
So if you if anybody out there watches TED Talks, etc., guarantee you go and look at all your favorite TED Talks. One of the first things that all of the speakers do is start with a story about themselves, so they're personalizing and connecting with the audience, or they'll ask a question. First thing they'll do, they'll ask a question. How many of you have done this? Has anybody thought of this before? They're instantly connecting with your audience and they're grabbing you. We're thinking about you know the different forms of communication that we have discussed and uh, different situations that we've um, we've discussed as well. What um, types of communication do you think would suit different situations? You know, what would be warranted there? Taking the time to understand what message do I want to get across. Who is my audience that I want to target and where are they most likely to be? Um, so I don't think there's one, one answer. Uh, coming from recruitment, we tend to just put ads up on Seek and everybody's heard about the talent shortage for years. And one of the things that I did in about 2013 when developers were impossible to find or perceivably impossible to find, we kept doing the same thing over and over. Oh, we'll just refresh the Seek ad. We'll just refresh the trade me ad. We'll put something in the newspaper people that still read newspapers. I went to the local pub, went to the local craft beer bar, and I made one a poster with, you know, the little pull-off tags with your number on it? Because I knew every time I went to the bar, developers, like people of age group that, you know, there's all these different companies around Little Beer Quarter in Wellington. You've got Squiz and all these other places. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put a poster up here. I got more responses through that. So I took the time to understand my audience and you know, buck the trends of the communication if you have to. Pretty sure you just use the star technique. Did wow, picked up on that. <laughs> we're, 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 we're on it. Ajay, you okay if I ask you another question on your area of expertise and social media? You've been there and done that and had the t-shirt. Can you share some thoughts on that, please? Yeah, I think it's back to what's been said before about taking time to understand what somebody's talking about. Social media is very, very open to interpretation, especially, you know, sometimes there's different language styles that people use and lots of abbreviations and sort of casual language, especially with Twitter because you've got the, uh, the character limits. So, um, you know, even if somebody is, is really angry or excited and they are not quite making sense, you don't want to jump to what you think that they're on about. It's, it's you know, it's definitely important to figure out what the issue is it's, it's the person who can't quite get their point across it's not that their point is not relevant it's just that they're not quite sure how, how to do it so so you need to to ask that question if it's an issue you know someone's got a, a problem with your product or whatever it is I mean uh, whether or not there is a problem with the product they think there is and so that that's what the issue is not necessarily the problem so you need to sort of to work through that so that's all about not not assuming um, and making sure that you you certainly acknowledge that there's an issue and that you want to get to the bottom of it. And, and a lot of times over the years, just being sort of the, I guess, the online face of zero, you know, people are, they're often surprised, especially with a bigger company. I mean, it was different when we were really small, but I think now I'm, I probably deal once a day with somebody that didn't really expect there to be somebody at the end, even in this day and age where social media is so much a part of everything some people will get rant or make a passing comment and not realise that there's actually a real person at the end who's going to answer them. 
And I think depending on the platform, people, they might use a different tone. I mean, if it's particularly public and depending on their personality, they, some, some people might be looking for a soapbox. And, you know, you've just got to, got to figure that out and figure out are they making a point or they just want to make noise. And so, again, it's just that human interaction and making sure that you ask the person, you know, is there, even if you're not quite sure what they want from you, just ask what is it? What is it that I can I can do for you? You know, there's just lots. Again, I just can't go on enough about this interpretation thing because sometimes, and I remember learning about this. I mean, I did a library and information studies degree, if you can believe, and I've ended up working on <laughs> working with social media all day. Um, I think this did, all this digital communication, social media especially, has given people who may not normally have a voice a voice. So whether it's blogs, social media, so they might not be good communicators. I mean, they might not be good writers or know how to express themselves in a written form, but they're there. They've all of a sudden got this platform. And, uh, yeah, develop a bit of a, a thick skin. Many, many, many moments have brought me great joy and I've made some wonderful friendships um, with our customers and partners and, and have had the joy to meet many people in real life. So it, it's not all about keyboard warriors being uh, making your day miserable. That's uh, It can be great as well. So, yeah, just just find out what you can do to help. Don't, or don't necessarily just shove them off into a private message either because that can almost be like you're sweeping things under the rug. Thank you so much. <laughs> 14 years of, uh, of knowledge and experience in, in less than a minute. Amazing. Thank you. That's it for this week, Zero Now. Thank you for joining us. I hope that this chat about effective communication can help you work better with your team and your customers or clients. For more learning content from us, or to sign up for any Zero Hour session, head to central.zero.com. We'll catch you next time.